never left disappointed. The Lord meets them at the point of their expectation. We want to welcome everybody welcome watching us by live stream. We want to encourage everyone to share the stream. It's a great way to reach people, a great way to fulfill the commission Jesus has given us to go. You can go into all the world with a push of a button. Most people don't tell anybody about Jesus the whole year. You can do, you can do this and tell more people about Jesus in 30 seconds than most Christians do all year. Just challenging you, challenging you. Social media is your friend. It's not your enemy. You use it for the purposes of the, of the kingdom, and it becomes a tool that God can use. It's a system of influence if you, choose to choo- if you choose to use it that way, and I encourage you to do that. All right, so we're talking about, um, we're talking a lot about life and talking to you lately about goals, and anybody want 2023 to be better than 2022? Do you believe that? you believe it is God's will for you to get progressively better? Do you believe that? No, I got like this side of the room's kind of convinced. All y'all over here haven't heard anything. So do you believe, yeah, uh uh-uh, do you believe that it's God's will for you to be progressively better? From glory to glory, the Bible says. From one place of goodness to the other. There's a lot of valleys in between, okay? There's a lot of storms in between, but the victory is sure. If you don't quit. That's what the scripture says. So we're gonna just, I want to try to help you set goals this morning. You know, we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, the 95% rule, different things. 95% of people don't do anything with their life. So if you don't want to do anything with your life, you're going to have a lot of company. You're going to have a lot of friends. Nobody's going to, everybody's going to be there. Somebody said, in the absence of excellence, there lies mediocrity. And this doesn't, just, this doesn't just apply to your career, this applies to your family, this applies to your marriage, this applies to um, your future, any, any aspect of your life. It's not success in God's economy is not merely about dollars and cents. It's success on every level. Beloved, I desire that you prosper, be in health as your soul prospers. So God wants us to prosper in the, in the emotional side, the intellectual side, the relational side. He wants us to prosper in the material side, and he wants us to prosper in the physical side. God's a holistic God, and he loves you holistically. He ministers to a spirit, soul, and body. It's his desire and his design for that. So 2 Corinthians, I'll start it off here. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. We now look... With an unveiled face, beholding in a mirror the glory of the Lord. Everybody say it. But we are being transformed into the image of Christ from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of God. So the Holy Spirit is trying to transition you if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, the Spirit of God's role, what he's doing is he's trying to bring you unto Jesus. That's why your Christian friends are dragging you here. Say, I'm not a Christian. Somebody dragged me here. Because the Holy Spirit is trying to bring you into a relationship and a relational encounter with Jesus. But if you are a Christian, what God is trying to do is draw you deeper into the kingdom and to actually manifest the truths of the world that he died to give you. This is a fact. This is what the Holy Spirit is doing. The problem is, is a lot of times we don't cooperate. Is anybody with me? Well, God's going to do what he's going to want us to do. No, he's not. He doesn't do it without you, and you can't do it without him. It is always, it's always a collective partnership. There's a communion, a communal aspect to this faith, right? Jesus said, I wanted to gather you as a hen did its chicks. I wanted to brood over you. But he said, what's the verse? What's, what comes next? Anybody know the verse? But you wouldn't let me. 
Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I wanted to brood over you. I wanted to cover you. I wanted to nurture you. I wanted to develop you. I wanted to warm you. I wanted to grow you like a mother hen does its chicks. But you wouldn't allow it. So God's will is to grow, to nurture, to develop. And a lot of times, we're the problem. No, nobody wants to admit that. We're the problem. <laughs> Say it with me. If I don't change, nothing's going to change. In Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. We have the ability to see clearly. You have the ability with an unveiled face to see clearly. God has given you access to his mind, his heart, and his spirit. There should never be a lack of clarity among Christians. And if there is, it should only endure for us. Passing moment. Because we have access to clarity. We have access to wisdom. We have access to certainty. Not in and of ourselves, but in and through Jesus. God's got an answer. Uh, he, Bible says in the book of Proverbs, or I think it's Psalms, the Lord is pouring out Proverbs. He's pouring out wisdom in the concourses of the street. God is forever speaking. And he says, I'm pouring out wisdom, and I cry out, oh, you simple ones, how long will you remain simple? How long will you not listen to me? You see, again, here's the problem. God's pouring out wisdom, and we don't want to listen. <laughs> you guys don't think that's funny? I think that's hilarious. <laughs> if, I don't, if you don't change, nothing is going to change. The goal is to be like Jesus. What's it mean to be like Jesus? In nature. Independency upon the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible is telling us to be like Jesus, not telling the men to grow a beard and get long hair, get robes and sandals. That's not what it's telling us. We become like Christ in nature. We manifest the kingdom in nature. We manifest and our lives are interdependent and completely codependent upon the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. You were never designed to do it alone. That's the model. Jesus is the divine prototype of the new creation. He is the prototype. We become like him. He's the last Adam. We become like him. And he shows us that the way forward is dependency upon the Holy Spirit. He's God, but he set aside his attributes. If you know the story and you know the theological concept of what he did, he set aside his, his attributes. Who being God did not consider it to be equal with God. He set aside his deity, took on humanity, and walked among us. Even though he was always fully God, he never accessed his attributes. He was interdependent upon the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's showing you the way. We live by the Holy Spirit, Christian. Jesus said, it's to your benefit that I go, for if I do not go, what? Come on, help me out here. I know I got some believers in the room somewhere along the line. The Spirit of God will not come. Jesus is saying, it, Holy Spirit is going to help you more than I can or will with just my physical presence with you. The Spirit of God will diversify himself into all of you. And will move through you individually and collectively. And he will give, he will take from, so uh, let's just even, let's take it further. Jesus said, all the Father has given me, is, everything the Father has is mine. He's given to me. When the Holy Spirit, so that's principle one. When the Holy Spirit comes, he will what? Take from what is mine and manifest or make it known to you. So Jesus says, all things are mine. The inheritance of the kingdom has been restored unto me. What I have done has, has been fulfilled. And what I have done has given you an opportunity to have access to the things that are mine. What are mine? All the Father has is mine. How do we access those things? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. You say, well, how does that work? It works through an intimacy and a relationship and a developmental process with the Holy Spirit. 
The church is, we, we are so negligent on this subject. We are so negligent. I call it the dumbing down of the gospel. It's the gospel of reduction. We've taken a kingdom, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual world, and we've dumbed it down only to the level of rationality. And we believe that if it's not rational and explainable, then it's not of God. It's, just, it's a whole different concept entirely. This kingdom's not rational, it's irrational. This kingdom's not natural, it's supernatural. You know, the church isn't the Kiwanis Club. We're kingdom sons and daughters called to do what no one else can do. Why? Because we've been endowed with the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're the temple of the what? Is that a poem? Is Jesus being poetic when he says that? <laughs> I could go off. My message isn't on the Holy Spirit, but I'm going over here. If you don't change, dependency upon the Holy Spirit is how we become like Jesus. We become like Christ in nature, we develop a dependency upon the Holy Spirit, and we become like Jesus, and we live with purpose and intention. Jesus had goals. How many knows that? I don't know if you know this. Jesus had goals. He had a lot of goals. You see it all through the Bible. He had goals. I have to go to Jerusalem. I have to go to Samaria. I have to go here. I have to go there. He had goals and objectives. Here's one of the biggest ones. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, Hebrews 12, 2. What's the goal? Why did Jesus go to the cross? Yeah, for you. It wasn't even the goal of salvation. It's so much deeper. That's a good one. Give you, we're passing grade on that. But it was for you. He didn't go just to bring salvation. He went to get you. Because you matter. You understand that? You are the joy. Jesus isn't a masochist and just saying, hey, I'd like to go up there and just give my life away and let everybody beat me and, you know, you know put crowns of thorns on my head and just mock and shame me. And sure, I got nothing better to do. I'll hang out on a cross completely naked for the world to see, bleeding and in agony. Yeah, that sounds like a fun day for me. Got nothing else to do. He didn't do that for himself. He did it for you. There's nobody like Jesus. And your beloved is, what is it, more beautiful than thousands. He did it for you. You're his goal. Do you understand that? No, think about that for a minute. Who told you you don't have value and worth when you're the goal that Jesus set out to get? Then you need to make Jesus your goal. If you're God's goal, then you need to make him your goal. All that he wants, all that I am. I hold nothing back, Lord. It's all for you. And give yourself wholly to that concept. Say this with me. Goal setting. Come on, help me. Goal setting. I know we don't like goals. We don't like goals. We don't like goals because we don't like to fail. Humankind, fear of death, fear of failure. Those are two of the biggest fit. And so when we set goals, we don't want to set goals because we might fail. Well, you might. But you know what? You're going to learn something along the way. I can tell you that. Say this. Goal setting is the master skill of a successful life. Can you prove that biblically, Pastor? I'm just buckle up. I'm about to help you. God's design for your life. It's a very basic thread we teach here at Elevate, but it's important that you understand it. Say it with me. Survival, Survival. Success, success, significance. If you're a Christian, you've given your life to Christ, you know what God promises you and guarantees it? Survival. You will survive. I tell this to believers all day long. Success is not guaranteed nor is significance guaranteed, <gasps> unless you follow him. That's why you see Christians who are believers but don't follow the Lord, and they keep stumbling, but they keep moving forward. 
they're always at the point of survival. They don't want to listen to Jesus. They think they got a better way. Anybody know anybody like that? Right? Don't look at the person next to you. Don't do that. <clears throat> you're going to make it after all. If you're a Christian, you're disobedient, you're backslidden, you're whatever it is you want to be, you're the prodigal. No, it doesn't matter where you're at. God will be faithful to you. Even if you are faithless, he will be faithful. He will not deny himself. You may deny the covenant, but he never will. He'll take care of you. Your bills will be paid. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You weren't living for Jesus. You're doing all the wrong things. Everybody else around you is dropping, but you, you made it through. Survival is given to you. That's the covenantial right. That's promised. He comes to give you life and life more abundantly. So the beginning is life and the journey is towards a more of an abundant, fulfilling life. Success is the next level God designs for his people. But that is, requires obedience. You cannot get out of survival until you start obeying. I don't have to give. I don't have to give. No, you're commanded to give. You don't have to. You get to. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to come to church. You're commanded to. You don't have to, but you get to. All of these things are near many, many other ones. All of these things are contributing factors to how God's planned and designed for you to get out of survival into success. I shared it last week. People say they don't have to come to church. What if you went to the gym two times a year, which is what most Christians do, Christmas and Easter? What if you went to that? What if that was your whole workout routine? You know, I'm going to get buff, man. How often do you go to the gym? A couple times a year. You know, I go to the gym. How's that going to work out? It's not going to work out. If you go, if you do something consistently, you'll see consistent results. If you come in and sit yourself under instruction, the teaching of the word of God and supplement it with other teachings in, the, in line with that line of thought, you're going to grow. If you don't, you won't. Long story. I didn't, survival? Anybody want success? Success means you're achieving goals. Success means you, don't, you have enough and enough to share. That's success. You're not living hand to mouth. You're living hand to mouth, paycheck to paycheck. You're in survival mode. Is that fun? No, anybody been there? Anybody still there? Anybody want to get out of there? Listen to the Lord. He was, it's, your, it's his purpose for you. His purpose is not for his people to be in survival. His ultimate purpose is that we be a significant people. What's significant? That what we, we, we can rock the world. We do something that's substantial, materially, spiritually, whatever it is. But our lives are significant lives. Significant lives. This guy was asking me about money, and he was talking to me about his business. How do I get my business? I told him a bunch of things, and he said, what would be a significant effort for my business to achieve if I was to have that goal? I showed him the, Indi the orphanages in India that we sponsor. I said, wouldn't it be a significant um, if, if you decided to sponsor an entire orphanage yourself? I said, would that be significant? That would be a good goal. I'm believing you, Lord, to prosper my business to this level. I'm going to do all the things that you asked me to do. I'm going to give out of my business. I'm going to, you know, whatever. There's a whole process there. I'm not going to get into it. But that would be a goal to achieve, is that my business sponsors the whole orphanage. Is that significant? Sure, that's significant. That's just a simple goal. But God's design is not that you live in survival. Who told you that? Who told you? And somebody's going to say, my Bible. You know, I had somebody say that to me on YouTube when I said, who told me that? I said, who told you you're a sinner saved by grace? And this person goes, my Bible, Ephesians 3. My whole point is, before you come to Christ, you're a sinner. You're outside of his covenant. When you come to Jesus, you're a what? What are you? You're a son and daughter. 
He doesn't call you sinner saved by grace. You don't inherit that title. To those that believe him, he gives the right to become the sons and daughters of God, to those who believe on his name. Your title, you don't carry that title anymore. And so my point is, is that Christians have to quit identifying with somebody that they're not. You have to break all associations and lingering after effects with a former life that you no longer own. You can can remember to be bound and continue to let these lingering after effects of a life you no longer own, and you can carry them forward, and Jesus isn't going to take them with you, take them from you. You have to lay them down. I'm not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a son of the highest. I have a purpose in this world. I have a destiny fulfilled. Sickness will not take me. There'll be an hour of death, but it won't be by disease. You can rest that assured. (laughs) What do you say? That's what I say. That's what I say. My hour will not come until I fulfilled the purposes. And I don't even believe that when my hour comes, Jesus is going to go, is there anything else you'd like to do, Kevin? And I'm going to go, there's a few things. Okay, let's keep, let's keep going. You want to come home? No? Okay, you can keep on. I want to live so that I can bring him glory and honor. And again, that's another story. But what I'm trying to drill into you is to get you to have the mentality. Be transformed by the renewing of your what? If you don't change the way you think, nothing. If you don't change, nothing's going to change. If you don't change the way you think, nothing's going to change. You got to believe this. You got to believe that God wants to bring you to a level of success, but it isn't happening on your own. You have to do what he says. If you don't do what he says, you're not getting there. You'll stay right at survival. He loves you. You're going to make it into heaven, but you're going to be stuck in a moment until you decide to do what Jesus says. And when you start doing what Jesus says, you're going to see that your life is going to start tacking towards success. And then once you're in the level of success, you start liking it. You're like, wow, this is good. I definitely don't want to go back to that. So I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. What's next, Lord? Significance. You want to go to significance? People think they're going to go from poverty, from survival to significance. It's not going to happen. I get people all day long trying to tell me what they're going to do for Jesus. And I'm like, that's great, but there's a process to that. We want to sit at your right hand. You said, where's the process for that? James and John said, Lord, can we sit at your right hand? Lord said, it's not mine to give, but you want high position? You want purpose in my kingdom? Is that what you want? He said, can you drink of the cup? What is he saying? Can you go through the process? Because you're not just going to walk through that door. That door is open to you, but you're going to have to go through a process to get to that door. Jesus invites you all higher. You're all invited higher. At Kaleo, you're all summoned. But you can stay right where you are. You can. You can. (laughs) Success is the pursuit of something worthy. It is the rise above mediocrity. Anybody can be mediocre. Doesn't take a lot to be mediocre, does it? (laughs) No, you guys are not. Like, 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 I feel like you guys are going to like rise and riot on me here this morning. Give me a smile or something. <laughs> Anybody can be mediocre. Anybody can survive. 95%, that's what they do. Say this with me. In this country, we can read by five. We are usually full-time working by 25. But by 65, the majority of Americans have not learned to succeed in the wealthiest nation the world has ever known. Statistical fact. We can read by five, we're in a career by 25, yet by 65, the majority of Americans have still never learned to succeed. They've not learned to succeed in their marriages. The divorce rate is off the chart. They've not learned to succeed in their health. Have we seen, you know, I mean, my gosh, I feel like half the city is being taken over by medical clinics. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I can't, I mean, like, are we all really that sick? Yeah, it's crazy. We've not learned to succeed in our health. 
We've not learned to succeed in our emotions. We've not learned to see Christians don't learn to succeed spiritually. I mean, let alone financially. I'm not even talking about money. We have not learned to succeed. And we have every opportunity in the world to do so. Anybody can be mediocre. 95%. You have to decide, do you want to be the 95%? That's the first question you got to ask. Do you want to stay with the pack? You're fine. It's all good. You can stay with the pack. You're going to have lots of friends. Be koozie-koo. Warm, snuggy blanket of a long pack of friends. Everybody making excuses. Nobody knows. You know, everybody makes excuses. Well, I can't succeed because of that. That's a great excuse. Harry, I think I'm going to stay right there with you. I got an excuse, too. And everybody makes excuses. Say it with me. You're not going to like it. Everybody hold the chair. Hold the chair. Hold the chair. Because you're not going to like what I'm going to say. But some of you are going to like it. But you're not going to like it. Hey, again, I'll just address my YouTube crowd. We had a guy on YouTube saying, I don't believe anything this guy says. And it was right after I said this. And I, you know what I wanted to post, but I didn't because I'm a nice guy. I wanted to post, I wanted to put underneath 95%. That's what I wanted to put underneath. My point exactly, 95%. Thank you for illustrating my point. He's like, I don't believe anything this guy says. Say this with me. Excuses are the language of poverty. Yeah, you got to give up your excuses. Are you willing to change? You got to give up your excuses. Everyone goes somewhere if you end up there on purpose. <laughs> so let's uh, talk about goals. You want a better job, a better family, a faith that works, a better financial situation, a more meaningful and significant life. You have to have goals. You have to have goals. Say it with me. I have to have goals. So I'm going to show you how to help. I'm going to help you with some goals. Right? It begins with Jesus. This is the first part. Right? It, it, it begins with Jesus. To the Christian. And that's the majority of you here, and that's probably the majority of the people listening. You have to live an integrated life. If you want to succeed, your life has to be integrated. In him we live, move, and have our being. Not outside of him, not looking at him, waving, not being a fan. Oh, yay, Jesus. We're followers. We're not fans. We're disciples. We're learners under discipline. We hear the word and we do it. That's what a disciple is. You're a disciplined learner. Discipline to do what's instructed. It, be, it begins with Jesus. Why does it begin with Jesus? Because you can, say it with me, I can accomplish a lot without the Lord, but it won't be lasting. Here's, here's Solomon, right? Solomon, the guy who's achieved a lot. Here, problem Solomon had, problem had a, Solomon had a legacy of faith, and he was endowed by God with the gift from that legacy of faith through his father. But Solomon didn't believe he needed the Lord. And so Solomon was the first Frank Sinatra, and he did it his way. Every single thing he did his way. Every single thing. And at the end of his life, he's in nothing but despair. Because having lived a life that was self-fulfilling and living a life accomplishing enough, a lot, he did it for all the wrong reasons. Here's Ecclesiastes 2. Ready? I made pools for myself. I grew forests of trees. He didn't grow trees. He grew forests of trees. I hired manservants and female servants. I mean, he had, you know, I saw this rich guy one time in the morning, getting up in the morning, and he's walking, and he gets dressed, and he's walking, and the guy's handing him his orange juice. The other guy's handing him his paper, and he's like walking down this sort of gauntlet of all these servants handing him things, and then he sits down at the table and starts eating. This is Solomon, probably times 10. I had male servants, female servants everywhere I went. 
I had male servants and female servants. I had servants who had children in my house. I was good to those people. They stayed with me. They had babies. I had great possessions of herds and flocks, more than anyone who had ever been before me in Jerusalem. I gathered to myself silver and gold and the treasures of kingdoms and provinces. He was loaded. I had singers, men and women, right? Solomon's having a concert at the palace every night. Oons, 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 oons. What are we doing this week? Hey, man, we're going to do some uh, techno. What are we doing this week? Oh, this is rock month, man. We're going to bring in the rock bands. He had concerts going on all the time. Musicians all around him, all the time. I had many lovers, many female lovers, he says. Watch this. Ready? Watch for the next line. He said, I had a lot of women, man. And then he says this, to the delights of the sons of men. In other words, dudes would be looking at him like, man, Solomon, you're the man. You're the man. How'd you get that girl, man? You know, all the dudes are like, yeah. He said, I had a lot of women. And all the brothers delighted in me because I was the guy. And all the men are smiling. All the married men are like, I am not smiling at this at all. You are the only one. The only one. <laughs> and behold, all of it was vanity, emptiness, reaching after the wind. And in these things, there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He had power. He had purpose. But he lived an unintegrated life. He achieved much, yet he achieved nothing. Integrated life is the key to all things, Christian. If you're a believer, you must integrate your life with Jesus. What does that look like? I'll give it to you. Jesus is Lord in salvation. Is he Lord of your time? Does he get to tell you what to do with your time, or do you? This is what lordship looks like, right? Jesus is Lord of your salvation. Is he Lord of your body? <gasps> I don't like you, pastor. You're getting too close to home. That's so uncultural. Does Jesus get to tell you what to do with your body, or do you? Does Jesus get to tell you what to do with your money or do you? Huh? That's what lordship looks like. Lordship means you are integrated and submitted in every area of your life. That's what lordship looks like. Jesus said, those who follow me must deny them what? They must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Say, it's so hard. What, to deny yourself? Really? You don't understand what you gain. And unless a person loses their life, they will not find it. Right. But if they lose it for my sake, then they will find it. If they desire to, if they don't, then they won't, they won't keep it. You find life in losing it in Jesus. Integration. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. Christians have been Christians for 20 years, and they can't move the ball. And I'm like, what are you not doing? Oh, I'm doing everything. No, let's, let's really, let's take a hard analytical look at your life, and let's find where the stopping point is, and let's find why that is. Somewhere in there... There's a belief system. Somewhere in there, there's a lie. Somewhere in there, there's some perspective or some action or some inaction that is producing this dead stop. That's why. There's no forward momentum, and there hasn't been forward momentum in your life in 10 years. Why is that? Well, God doesn't want me to have you. Who told you that? Who told you that? Don't want to get into that, but that's the truth. So it has to begin with an integrated life. You want, you, want to, you want to have goals? You want to move forward? Begin to integrate your life with him. He wants you to have good things. Second thing is desire, right? Desire. I want it. I want it bad. What do you want? What do you want? That's the question. Jesus had all these people to follow him. His disciples are following him. He turned around and he said, what do you want? What do you seek? Why are you following me? You're following me. What is it that you want? 
Oh, we want to know where you sleep. Oh, okay, come on. He encounters a town. He comes into the town, and he, asks, he walks into the town, and all these people are healed, and, he, and Jesus is like, they're like, he's like, what do you want to do? Jesus asked the guy, There's, we want you to heal the sick. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? He asked them that. He asked blind Bartimaeus. He encounters a blind man sitting there banging a cup on the ground. It's pretty obvious what the guy wants. He's saying, son of David, help me. Jesus looks at him and says, what do you want? What do you want? Really, what do you want? That's the question. So it begins with desire. What do you want? You say, I don't know what I want. Well, here's the beauty. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. So let me illustrate this for you. This word delight means lavish, extravagance. Extravagant yourself in me. Lavish yourself upon me. And watch. This is the concept. And I will sire within you. God will put dreams and visions in your heart when you lavish yourself upon him. And we do a bunch of different concepts of how that looks. It looks like a birthing. There's something in you. You have a dream in you. There's something that God has shown you. And where did that dream come from? Where did that vision come from? Maybe it's wherever it may lie. It may lie in a lot of different arenas. But God begins to show you great and mighty things that you know not of when you lavish yourself in him. When you stop being a uh, consumer and you start being a communer, right? When you, start take, when you start integrating and giving yourself there. There are levels to this faith, Christian. There are levels. We all get salvation. This is true. But we don't get all equality of reward. I don't believe that. Read the parable of the talents and you'll see very clearly that we all don't get the equality of reward. It's very clear. We're all going to inherit the kingdom. Everybody's going to be provided for. Everybody's going to get things. But everything's going to, everybody's going to be taken care of. There'll be no lack in the household of faith. Not now nor ever. God will take care of the problem. But there are higher places. Let us press upward towards the what? Upward calling in Christ Jesus. He didn't say towards the calling in Christ Jesus. He said the upward, the highest calling in Christ. The highest calling for what? The highest calling for you. What is God saying to you? Delight, lavish, engage, live. Give it all to him. Lavish him. You are everything, Jesus. By faith, by feeling, Lavish yourself in him, and he's going to show you. A lot of times what he shows you, you don't want to see. He'll show you a vision of a better marriage. And then you'll look at your current situation, and you go, this sucks. I like what you're showing me, but this isn't what I'm living. Right? He'll show you. It can be better. It can be better. I can give you something greater. I'll show you a hope in a future. I'll show you something greater. If you'll buy into that, God will show you something greater than where you are. It's true. Desire. Lavish yourself upon him. And he will give you new heart and a new dreams. Jesus does not have a problem with you succeeding. This is important to know. It is success. It, Jesus does not have a problem with success. He has a problem when success is at the expense of him. When success is at the expense of the relationship with him, that's where he has an issue. You just stay over here, Jesus. I got this. Okay, Solomon. Off you go. Let me know when you're done. <laughs> success isn't the issue. Success and success is relative. Different people want different things. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Different people want different things. People want a successful home, successful children, a legacy of faith in their home. Hey, man, that's success. Ring the bell. Ding, ding. Other people want different things. 
It's okay, but we should all be moving towards an upward calling, something greater. Anybody know who Socrates is? Yeah, a few of you, right? Philosopher, Greek philosopher. There's, uh, oh, there's different versions of the story, but it go, the story goes something like this. A young man came to Socrates and said, teach me philosophy. And Socrates said, that sounds great. Let's go down to the water. And he takes the boy down to the water, and he shoves his head under the water, and he holds him down. And so the boy's thinking the whole time, oh, this must be, this must be part of the process. He's you know, immersing me, getting me ready for, and he holds him down, and he keeps holding him down. And he doesn't let the guy out. And the kid starts screaming and kicking and everything. And at the last minute, Socrates left that lets him up. And he says, what were you just thinking about right now? And I'm sure the boy didn't say this, but I'd be like, that. I'm, you're trying to kill me? But the boy, said, the boy said, I was thinking about I need to get oxygen. And he says, when your desire for philosophy becomes the same desire that you had for oxygen under the water, then you come and see me. It has to be an inner want. It has to become a must. It has to be, I must, I must get out of this situation. I cannot live like this. I will not live this way any longer. You're, you change when, you're, when, you're, when, when the desire is big enough for you to change, and you change when you're hurting enough to change. Until then, you're not changing. <laughs> it's ugly, but it's true. People true change when they're hurting enough to change, when, when they've had it. That's when they change. They've had it. You know, they're hurting enough to change or they have a dream or a vision that compels them past where they are. I suggest the dream and the vision. I would rather be moved by vision than by pain. I've had my, so I have a 32-year marriage. It's not perfect. My wife is a beautiful, my beloved is fair, fairest of 10,000. So like I have a marriage with her, but the pain of the relationship has forced me to change. The pain of the relationship with her, with me, has forced her to change. You understand that? Relationships cause pain. And if I don't change, the relationship will not endure. If she doesn't change, the relationship will not endure. We cannot produce it without change. We have to change. And that's a process in and of itself. But you have to have desire. My highest thing for you to say is to get the desire from God. What is the Lord showing you? Lord, give me a vision. Have you ever asked him? Give me a vision for my life. Who am I to you, Lord? Show me what the future is. Give me a vision for my marriage. You want a marriage? I'll give you a vision for my marriage. Show me where it starts with me. Where does it start with me? You know, just different things. Start communicating with him. You're going to get ideas and concepts. You're going to go, how do I know God's talking to you? If it's good and perfect, it comes from Jesus. Every good and perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no shadow of turning. It's not corrupt. It's good and it's perfect. God will show you. Set number two is write it down. Everybody say to me, write it down. Right? Those of you with pencils and pens this morning, bravo. Those of you that got phones, I suggest. Write the vision. You say, I got it locked in my mind. It doesn't matter. There's a reason why you write the vision, and I'm going to tell you why. Here's Habakkuk. Do you got a verse for that? Sure. The Lord answered me. Habakkuk's in a horrible situation. Or the, the actually the... Um, the, well, the pastor, he would be the priest. He's wanting to quit. He's trying to do this work, and he's like, I give up, man. I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. And the prophet comes to him, and he says, write the vision. Write down what God shows you. God's going to tell you what to do because you're his child. You're his son. You're his daughter. He's not going to leave you alone. He's not going to forsake you. He's going to show you. And when he shows you, you're going to write it down. Write the vision. Make it plain upon tablets so that whosoever reads it runs with it. So there's an action point. Write it down, 
read it, and take actionable steps into what God shows you. For the vision is for an appointed time, but in the end it will speak. It will not lie. So if it comes from the Lord, it's going to speak. You understand that? It's going to happen if you will actively pursue it. Though it delays, wait for it, but it will surely come. Say it with me. The delays will not be forever. If you are actively pursuing a vision, a dream, a purpose of God, and you're allowing him to change you in the process, and you continue to take the steps that he's laying down for you, the delays, I've been patient with her, Lord. When is she going to change? Just chill out, dude. Relax. You've been an idiot for 20 years, right? You're changing now. She doesn't trust you because you've been an idiot for 20 years. But she's still with you. Happy day. We're going to make progress, you know. When's he going to change, Lord? I'm speaking kindly to him. I'm encouraging him. I'm standing behind him. Don't worry. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. God's going to bring it to pass. I'm just trying to relate this to you in relatable terms. Write down what you want. Everybody say to me, write down what I want. Say, I don't know what I want. Desires of your heart. Go back to Jesus. So let me tell you the 95% so that you can move out of the 95%. The 95% say, well, I just want what Jesus wants. And you know what I say? Awesome. What does he want? I don't know. Whatever the Lord wants to do is what the Lord wants to do. Well, why don't you find out what he wants? Why don't you tell him what you want and let him guide you and direct you? Or, then, or why don't you find out what it is that he actually wants? Where people say, I just want peace. And people come to me and they want to pray. And I'm, I'm like, would you pray for me? I'm like, sure, I'll pray for you. Or they go to the prayer team. And they say, oh, I want to pray for you. And I'm like, okay, well, let's pray for you. What do you want? I want peace. Well, what does peace look like? I don't know. We'll find out what peace looks like. And then we can actually pray for it. What does peace look like to you? I want peace in my home. Okay, well, what does that look like? What exactly does that mean? You know? So we're not grasping in the dark. We're not beating the air. We need to be specific. Write down what you want. Be specific. The key areas of your life. What kind of, what kind of son do you want to be this year? Do you want to grow in sonship? Do you want to grow in daughtership? What kind of faith do you want to have? What kind of family? What kind of finances? Friendships? Future? And the reason that we write it down, right? So we work. So this is a big concept. As people study human behavior, human beings move by an internal drive. And it tends to be a belief system or it tends to be a programming system within us. Yeah, you understand what I'm talking about? You have this concept, but the fear in you is too great, and so the fear becomes the thing that stops you. There's an internal drive within human beings. It's how we're made in, inside of us. We're made that way. The Bible says, guard your heart with all diligence for what? Out of it flow the issues of life flows out of you. What the Bible is saying is what you put in you is what will come out of you. It's how we're designed. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Watch crazy news and tell me you're not fearful. Listen to the worst, most violent ghetto rap you can think of and tell me your mind doesn't start programming that way. You start thinking like that. You are what you eat. I mean, we know that. We are what we consume emotionally and spiritually. When we start, when you're consuming all of this negative stuff or you're consuming all of this dark content, 
I used to have my daughter would come over with her friends when she was a little girl. We never let our kids watch horror movies, but her one girlfriend would be like, her little girlfriend would be like, I, she like, used to love to watch horror movies. I used to tell her her name was Isabella. So Isabella, if you're out there, I got you. So uh, she would say, uh, I just like horror movies. I go, why? And she goes, because I want to be scared. And, and, you know, and I would try to talk to him about like, look, you, you know, what fear does and how you're inviting fear and you're making partnerships with fear and you shouldn't do that. And I'm trying to explain that to her. And I said, but if you really want to get scared, I said, just come on over. And I said, I'll make sure I scare the pants off you before you leave. I said, if you're really into that, I'm like, I'll, I'll make sure I freak you out before you. She's like, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I mean, I had all these things. So I'd walk by and they'd be in the room and I'd tap on the window, you know, stuff like that. But what comes into you is what comes out of you. What you're putting into you becomes the cycle of thought that you're doing. So when you take your dream and your vision and you have it written down and you're say, you say that um, I'm gonna have a be- I'm gonna, I want to have a better marriage this year and I'm going to speak kindly to my wife and I'm going to find every opportunity to show her kindness and to speak the language of love that she needs. And that's your goal. Your goal, this is simple. This is a simple, I can't get, make it any simpler than this, right? And you, that's your goal. You should have that goal. And you list down that goal and you read it in the morning and you read it in the evening. What you're doing is you're auto-programming yourself. We're all auto-programmed. Marketing companies know this, but somehow the church, duh, doesn't know this. Marketing companies know that if they send you a message and they're consistent with that message and they get you to consume that message enough, you will respond to that message. They know that. They know that. Yeah? That's why you see the news narrative. They're trying to push an agenda. Every single news station is saying exactly the same thing. You're like, why is it that every channel I turn on says the same thing? Because they know what they're doing. They understand human behavior far more than you do. But God knows this. And so that's why I'm trying to tell you. And Christians are, Christians act so weird and so stupid with this stuff. Jesus said the sons of this world are wiser than the sons of the light. They're smarter than you. Why? Because they don't have these barriers that we put up. Well, I don't believe in this psychopsychosis. I don't believe in this programming stuff. Turn on CNN. Yeah, it's a gloomy day out there. Ooh, honey, don't we got stocks in Walmart? Says here stocks are going to go down. We need to get rid of those stocks in Walmart. That's, that's how stupid we are. We don't believe in kingdom principles, but we'll, we'll completely consume all of the world's concepts and digest them without ever a question and yet condemn when the kingdom concept is brought forth as some sort of psychosomatic kind of thing. It's nonsense. So let me say this, 95%. <laughs> You want to program yourself. You want to have that goal. You want to write that goal down. You want to put it on your phone. Let it pop up as a message. we got all kinds of different things where that can be. You can put it on your refrigerator, in your bathroom. You know, there's all kinds of different ways. But that goal, I'm going to be, I, my goal is to have a greater relationship with my wife. I'm going to prioritize time with her. I'm going to speak kindly to her. And I'm going to do my utmost to speak the language of love that ministers and communicates to her. That's your goal. You tell that to yourself in the morning. You tell that self to yourself in the evening, and when she gets up and she says something cross to you, you're going you're gonna to want to go, oh, oh, wait a minute. Does this make sense to anybody? Amen. Right? I, I mean, I could sit here and talk to you about business. I can talk to you about financial prosperity. I can talk to you about all different types of levels, but I'm trying to put it at the simplest level so that you understand that this concept applies all the way up the scale. The heart determines the issues in the direction of life, and it's, we're built with an internal belief system. We are. The devil knows it. 
The devil knows it. You don't think the devil knows it? <laughs> yeah, but so does the Holy Spirit. The only person that doesn't know it is you. Holy Spirit knows it. He's trying to get you to do this. Devil knows it. He's pounding you with all these messages, programming you, programming you, yeah? simulators, voices, all these different things. So here's the, here's the third step. Why do you want it? So write it down. Write it down. Who's going to write it down? Okay, we got five percenters. Who's the five percenters? I want to see who's the five percenters. Okay, all y'all, the 95%, you're welcome. You got lots of friends. Kumbaya. It's all going to be good. But the 5% will move forward this year, and the 95% will not. You just need to write that down because it will be true. It will be true. You need to write it down. You need, to be, you need to ask yourself, why do you want that? Why do I want that? It's not just what I want. It's why I want it. What is my motivation? What is my motivation? Why do I want a better relationship with my wife? Because she's the partner that God has given to me. She's all we have with each other in this world. I don't know if you know that, gentlemen. You're married. She's it. Yeah? You got your children. Your children are going to go. They're going to get married, and they're going to start families of their own. That woman's going to be the one sitting there with you, holding your hand and walking you through all those trials. So you better work on that. You better work on that because that means meaningful. Why do I want a better relationship with my wife? Because that's the woman that God has given me. Two are better than one. It's God's purpose and intent. We're an apostolic team. I cannot accomplish anything for the Lord without her. I must do it together. That's the way he's designed it. Therefore, I need to change. I need to change and become the person that brings about that relationship. Well, what if she doesn't change? That's not my burden. The burden is me to change. The burden is I change. I change. Why do I want it? The why becomes the power to endure. You're going to want to give up. If you don't have a, if you don't have a big enough why, you will give up. You will give up. You know why? Because your goal, say it with me, my goal is going to take two times as long it's going to be twice as expensive, and it's going to be at least two times harder than I realize. And that's why people give up, because the why is not, is, not, is not powerful enough to drive them past the things that disappoint them. You have to have a why. You have to have a why. Anybody can quit. You have to have a why. Find a reason that is heaven-bound, whether it's your marriage, whether you want a better future, you have a goal for a better future. Do you like where you are? Are you happy? I'm going to ask this in two forms. I'm going to ask this question in two phases. <laughs> say, I want you guys to say this. Pastor Kevin, Pastor Kevin is my friend. He's trying to help me. <laughs> I'm trying to help you. All right, so I'm going to ask this question in two forms. Do you like where you are? Yes or no? It can be yes. That's fine. If it, it, no, great. I got to know. No? Yes. Okay, exactly. So I, I know there's some people in here that got yeses. Do you like where you are? Yes or no? If you don't, you must change. You understand? You must change and you must set goals. If you do, your question is, is this the best that the Lord has for me? It's the best that you have for you, but the higher calling is, is, is what does the Lord want from me? Is, God, is this God's design? If, and, and somebody might settle on that land and say, yeah, this is God's design. Then your next question is, Lord, how do I maximize that which you have given me? We get satisfied, but the Lord's not. You can settle. You can see it in Israel. There were 12 tribes going to inherit the land. Two tribes settled outside the land. They didn't want to go. They, they, they were happy with where they were. They were happy. They were like, we don't want to cross the river. We like it here. And Jesus is like, okay, you can stay there, but you got to help your brothers fight. And when their fight is over, you can go back and settle in the land that you want to be in. He left them there. 
He left them there. They settled. That was not what God wanted for them, but that was what they wanted. So it's okay if you want, if you're where you want to be. But the question is, is, is it what the Lord wants from you? Is this God's calling and high calling upon what he has given me, upon the person that I am? You know, Jesus isn't going to be impressed with your shell collection. It's an all-in faith, Christian. This is all-in. Chips in. All-in. What do you want? And if you say, this is, what God's, what, this is what God's designed for me, then okay. Then, Lord, teach me to maximize this in order that I may glorify you and bring your higher praise. Because that's the whole point of life, Christian. The whole point of life is to bring him praise. The whole point of life is to bring him glory. Called out of darkness into light to what? Proclaim his praise. To bring his glory. Do you get what I'm saying to you? So you can be satisfied. There's nothing wrong with it. I have, I've had resting points even in my life. I'm certainly not satisfied. I've been punched in the face too many times. i got a couple of comebacks I'm looking for. Anybody with me? <laughs> Knocked down but not out. Coming back. More significant, you know, whatever it may be. You have to ask yourself that. But either way, it's going to require you to change. It's going to require you to change. You have to analyze your starting point. Where are you? Where do you want to go? Why do you want to get there? Where are you at? The Lord asked Adam in the, in the book of Genesis, I'm running out of time. <laughs> I'm running out of time, running out of time, but I think I can make it. I think I, I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. Analyze where your starting point is. Where are you? And, and G, uh, Jesus shows up in the garden and he says, Adam, where are you? Did Jesus not know where Adam was? Of course Jesus knew where Adam was. The question wasn't, Adam, where are you physically? Adam, where are you now in relationship to me? Where are you now in relationship to yourself? Where are you now in relationship to your environment? Where are you now in relationship to the calling that I put upon your life? Where are you? Do you know where you are, Adam? I know where you are. Do you know where you are? This is the question we have to ask ourselves. Where am I? Where am I in relationship to the Lord? Where am I in relationship to what he wants? Where am I in relationship to the person that he has called and created me to be? Where am I in relationship to the purposes that he has for my life? That's the question. That's the hard question. <laughs> That's not the easy question, but you got to realize where you're at. Where am I? Where are you in relationship to the goals? What do you have? What do you not have? Kingdom principles. What's in your hands? Somebody's like, I don't have anything. You got time. I tell people that are out of work, you got time. Invest the time. Use the time. You have resources that other people don't. Everybody has something. Not everybody has everything, but everybody has something. Everybody has something. What is it? Where do you want to go? Why do you want it? Analyze a starting point. Determine the obstacles. Say this with me. The first obstacle is me. Say this again. I am the first obstacle. In order for me to achieve, in order for me for to get where I need to go, I must become a different person. Let's play a marriage game again. I will not have the marriage that I want if I keep being the same person I've always been. If I'm the same person and I don't change and I don't communicate better and I don't, whatever it is, it is that I cannot have what I want until I become the person that, that enables me to gain that. You have to become a different person. You will not get what you want as the person you are. Because if you could gain it as the person you are, you'd already have it. You must change. This is the whole concept of transformation. Glory to glory. Very biblical principle. You must become. Paul says, I become all things to all people. I do whatever it takes to get the job done. you got to become someone different. 
You got to think, act, and become someone different. Or not. Or not. <laughs> if you want what you've never had, you must do what you've never done. If you want what you've never had, you must become who you've never been. You must become another person. You have to see yourself in light of that. There's a game. I'll probably play it in, in second service because I don't have time in this service. It's called Back from the Future. Project out, your, project out your perfect future five years from now. What kind of marriage do you want in five years? What kind of business do you want? What kind of faith do you want? What do you want to see God doing? How do you want to relate to him in five years? Where do you want to be in five years? You go out there, and then you come back, and then you become the person that that person is. You begin to see where you want to be because you're not making it happen where you're at. You're not smart enough. You're not strong enough. You're not good-looking enough. Your Instagram friends aren't enough. you got to have more. You got to become someone different. You have to transform. You have to become someone and you have to become that person. What are the barriers between me and where I want to be? Well, you don't know how to talk very good, Kevin. You're impatient very sometimes. These are all the issues in the marriage. So let me just relax, men, if you have this issue too, right? It's like, not me, brother. I got it all found out. I got it all figured out. Can I bring your wife up here? Can I interview her? Well, can I interview her honestly and let her give me an understanding of how she sees and what bothers her in the marriage? You understand that? You, you get that? So I had to become a different person. I have to become a different person or I will not ever have what I want. I'll just be another statistic. And again, that plays out in marriage. That play, you have to be a different father. That, that's a whole other story. I could write books on that. What does it mean? You, this, that's another story. You have to determine the obstacles. The first obstacle is you. Here's the thing. <laughs> Here's people that say this. I'm going to be a millionaire in three years. Okay, great. What are you doing now? Well, nothing. I'm unemployed. All right. Well, how much money do you got? Uh, I don't have any money. I had to borrow money to get an Uber to come here. Okay. So this is how people are. So you're expecting to go from a deficit. You're not working? Why aren't you working? I got fired. What'd you get fired for? Incompetence. Oh, okay. So you're not working. You don't have any money. And you're expecting to get from a deficit position, overcome incompetence, and become a millionaire in three years. It's completely unrealistic. It's completely unrealistic. That is an unachievable goal. Well, people do it all the time. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, they don't. Don't believe the hype. Don't believe the hype. It doesn't work like that. You have, you have, you, the realist, your goal is to get a job. Your job is to hold the job. Your goal is to not waste money and to become a steward over the resources that you have. That's your first goal. Then your goal is to develop yourself into the person that can become that. You're not getting there overnight. Average millionaire takes 22 years to achieve it. Yeah, and you know what I get from people? And I've heard this so many times. People say, but I'm not average. And I'm like, yep, you're the exception to the rule, aren't you? You're the exception. Average millionaire has been at or near bankruptcy three and a half times. Three and a half times. Somebody's like, "Woo! I've only been there once. Hallelujah. You face crisis if you're going forward. It's not easy. These are statistics of high-achieving people, Right? Your goal has to be realistic. Now, you can be probably making, you know, high fives, low six figures in three to five years. That is possible. But being a millionaire within that time is not possible. And not unless you just come up with a stroke of genius and are able to overcome the incompetence. It's true. You cannot do that. But you, there are achievable goals. And this is, again, another thing. Right? I'm out of time. All right? I want to keep going, but I gotta, I'm just going to finish up these last three things real quick. Determine the steps. How do you get there? There's a lot of ways, right? There's a lot of ways. 
But the best way is to have the Lord direct you. The Bible gives us this option if you want it. You can figure it out. You can be Mr. Genius or Miss Genius. You can do it all day long. The Bible says this, a man's heart will plan his way, but the Lord will determine the steps. In other words, you can have a vision and say, Lord, this is what I want. I do this all the time. And it's amazing the feedback I get. You have, so again, all this Christian comes back to this development of integration. That's the starting point. Some of you this year, your goal needs to be integration. Yeah, I know. I got you. All right. They're telling me to quit. They're telling me to stop. Do you all want me to stop? Okay, can you give me three minutes and I'll give you three points. I'm going to go fast. If not, stay for second service. <laughs> Many of your plans are, but the Lord determines the steps. God will show you the way to get there if you submit the vision to him. I take the Lord. I show the Lord my plans. This is what I'm thinking, Lord. What do you think? And I, I have this communal concept with him, and if I, or I'll get a direction, and I'll say, how do I get there? And I spend enough time, and I keep working back and forth with him until I get the clarity, the wisdom, and the mind of God until I know the steps. And just because I know the steps doesn't make it any easier. There's still, there's still a lot of obstacles and difficulties, and it's another thing. Develop the necessary skills. Train yourself. Any skill can be learned. You can learn any skill. Go on YouTube. You can build a house on YouTube from front start to back. A almost anything you can do. You can watch how you want to build a car. I mean, they, they'll show you. This is how you build a car. You tear the car apart, put the car back together, all through a YouTube series. There's never been a time like this in the world, Ever. Develop the necessary skills. Trust the process. Don't quit. Submit your plans to the Lord. Partner with him and get started. And I'll just read this last verse for you. Isaiah 43. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing with you. It will spring forth. Will you not know it? In other words, I'll show you. That's what he's saying. I'm going to show you. If you're listening, if you're paying attention, I will even make a road in the, in the wilderness and a river in the desert. I'll show you the way and I'll open the path. But it's your choice. You can do it with him, or you can do it without him. I suggest doing it with him, right? I suggest getting some goals this year, even if they're simple goals. And you know what I just, and I want you guys to say it again. I know this one's painful. Write it down. That's right. Write it down. Say it with me. The dullest pencil is greater than the sharpest mind. Write it down. Amen? All right, I got to close. I got to close. I am out of time. We have a prayer team available if you need prayer for anything. So I'm just going to bless you guys. I'm going to pray over you and I'm going to bless you. Father, we just thank you so much for your word. Lord, I release your word. Lord, I release your truths. And I speak life upon your word for it is living. And I declare that your word will not return to you void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it forth to achieve. Lord, I just give you the glory for that. I pray for these people. I pray that their hearts be awakened. I pray that they be challenged, Lord. Where there is no challenge, there is no change. And I pray that they would not satisfy themselves with mediocrity, but would pursue excellence and transformation in every sphere, from the lowest area of our life, God, to the highest. And so, Father, we just give you the glory, and I speak life over them. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine down upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you in every way, and may he give you peace. And may you forever live within his favor, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so if I fire hose you and you want to listen again, it's on SoundCloud, it's on YouTube, it's on Facebook, so I know I talk fast. So anyway, God bless you guys. If you need prayer, prayer team's available. Now you're